Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on, everyone. Hope everyone can hear us okay. We'll wait for a few of those speaker requests to roll in and uh, we will get started. Yeah, I mean, we could take a beat to talk about that incredibly fun game that we did for the NBA cast last night. It kind of felt at various points like the Jazz were going to take, then they did take control, but then the Grizzlies just kept on coming, had that crazy end sequence with a review and then a jump ball, which the Jet with the Grizzlies won and then eventually hit that three. Yeah, I, I've been totally out of the loop because I jumped on a red eye to a certain town where a certain team is now 12 and 6 after getting completely destroyed last night by the Indiana Pacers, but overall has played well as long as Alex Caruso is in the lineup. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the turmoil that is going on with the Bears, but apparently not. <laughs> I wouldn't even know, honestly. I. I football uh, has been a casualty uh, let's say all right uh el gordo is gonna start us off here let's bring him in right now gentlemen your favorite mavericks fan is back so how would you guys judge porzingis play thus far and with a healthy luca do you think he can help take the team to another level do you think it's just more of the same specifically because of how kid is using porzingis with post-ups and things like that inefficient touches so i'm gonna have to be honest with you el gordo i have not watched much mavs in the past probably week and a half or so uh partially because luca has been out and i just didn't think that was the best use of my time to to try to understand what they are without Luca in the lineup. So, you know, I know Porzingis has played better. I mean, I've watched a little bit of film on him. I mean, he looks like relatively the same guy, the guy who drives left every single time, every time he drives and uh, looks a little bit more spry. I mean, to me, it's really more, like, I think he, Porzingis kind of is what he is on the defensive end, or I'm sorry, on the offensive end. And it's just a question of whether he can really be a plus on defense that's going to drive things for them and then it's just a question of them not getting a bad matchup i think against teams that can switch a lot and kind of take him out of his pick and pop game uh then you're he's not going to be as effective you know if they go against golden state or they go against the clippers you know i, I think that they could struggle i think against a team that plays a drop center who has to guard him that he can be really effective i think he could be really effective against denver i think uh, against utah though usually they'll hide gobert on finney smith uh he could be effective because you know gobert still has to guard a shooter in that situation and you know porzingis can maybe actually could attack someone like bogdanovich or something like that so i think it's really all about the matchups for the mavs in the off season or i'm sorry in the postseason sorry i i just got off a of red eye it's going to take me a little while to, well, to get into things what do you think and, and one of the other key questions for the mavericks as much as many of us have maligned you know jason kidd's rotation decisions at times and everything else is that I'm concerned that they're short on wings and the idea that playing Porzingis at the five and some of these other things are you know reliant on having enough other perimeter players to make it work and if you know Finney Smith's 
early struggles, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be be crazy like that for the entire rest of the year or anything like that. And having Moxie Kleba back is going to be very useful. But the amount of viable options for them, you know, like Bullock and a few of the other perimeter players just need to play well enough because otherwise they they just don't quite have enough. You know, Nate and I on the, um, they have talked about depth a little bit recently and like, I'm I'm not all the way there on Dallas yet. Yeah, El Gordo, I know you got some takes. No, I mean, sadly, I mean, you guys would see. I was just hoping you guys would talk me off the ledge because the matters are just meant. But um, one last question before I drop off. Um, entering the season, I always thought someone like Zach Levine was like an under-the-radar potential trade target. Is there anyone right now whose name isn't circulating, but if the team continues to struggle, you could see them talked about possibly being moved for the dead trade deadline? What about... De'Aaron Fox? What, what you, I mean, I'm just throw, throwing that out there. Kings are 6-12. and 12. They just had an absolutely miserable loss last night. Um, I, I Let's see. Who else could come to mind as under-the-radar trade target? You know, the Wolves have been okay. Um, I mean, it, does Siakam count as under-the-radar? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. He's, he's also been pretty decent. Oh, I know. So far, I'm just I thinking, um, you know, what yeah. the, the ongoing question of what does Masai Ujiri want to do with this Raptors roster? One of those is, you know, Siakam. Uh, I would say one of the... Uh, Pacers front court guys you know if they're if they stay under 500 you know near the trade deadline I think there might be a feeling that there needs to be a larger shake up there makes sense thanks as always guys all right thanks that, that was great uh Danny who's next here uh Don you are on the air hey guys um longtime fan of y'all I'm a Spurs fan uh I had a question um of all the Spurs players who weren't drafted in the last two years what do you guys think the chances are that none of them are on the team in two years so you know Derek White DeJounte Murray Yaka Pertle, uh Drew Eubanks all those guys what are the chances that none of them are on the team in two years so so you said you said at the beginning Spurs players that weren't drafted you yeah mean, so not the not the recent that, guys so more like Lonnie Walker DeJounte Derek White that that more that group than Keldon and Vassell and uh, okay so so kind of guys who are like pre-2019 drafts essentially exactly okay so you're saying the chances that none of them are on the team three years from now these are two two years from now sorry again the the uh that red eye to Chicago is terrible. You get like two <laughs> I hours. Can of sleep. It <laughs> That's okay. So we got Dejounte. We got Derek White. Is Lonnie Walker? Is he is yep. he counting that, or is he more uh, looking at him as more of a young guy? No, he's 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 eligible. He's he's one of the none in this case. Yeah, and Yakov. So it's basically those four guys. None of them are on the team in two years. The idea being that they would pop retires and they just completely rebuild. That's sort of what you're thinking there, Don? Either that or maybe it, it could be that they increase their value and there are some good trades to make. Or maybe that it is, it is a complete rebuild. Um, whatever the case may be, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be one of the biggest questions. The, the Spurs, since they traded Kawhi, have really been in that basketball wilderness. And I think it's more understandable for them than with some to at least want to give Pop a competitive team in his twilight years. Although I, I will say, you know, if you compare his philosophy to, say, Bill Belichick's, you know, I, I think if Pop were really focused and, you know, the NBA is different than the NFL, it's it's kind of it's harder to stay good, I think, in the NBA, despite the fact that they managed to do it. But you know, you can't in the NFL, you can kind of take a team with some good coaching that doesn't have that much talent and maybe get it to like 10 and six. That's so much harder to do in the NBA, I would say. And also, I would also say that Pop is probably not at the level as say Bill Belichick is now in the NFL. You know, I think I Pop is is kind of is fallen off. I think as a coach, as you would expect it at his age. So, uh, but I I would have hoped that Pop, as the steward of the organization, could have been a little bit more forward thinking in the Kawhi DeRozan trade 
trade and could have been you know moved on maybe from Lamarcus at that point as well and you know tried to get the some uh, picks that were a little bit higher either through trade or maybe having a, a bad season or so but I just I it does until until teams are really willing to pull the trigger on a massive rebuild I just I'm not willing to believe it especially when the organization has evinced a, a desire to quote unquote stay relevant whatever that means the Kings are a perfect example of that right they've never really at the start of the year gone all in on development and moving away from veterans sometimes at the end of a season they would when it's clear they're not going anywhere but they've never done that at the start of a season I was very surprised that Orlando was willing to do that with Vooch I think that was just an offer that was too good to be true last year and same with Gordon so I I'm not sure that there are the other thing with San Antonio is I'm not sure there are offers out there for their guys that are you know similar to what Vooch or Gordon would have gotten and then if uh and if those guys do get to be that good then San Antonio would say well why don't we just keep these guys and go 500 again so I I, I would say the odds are pretty darn low that all those guys are not on the team and in fact I would say the odds are pretty low that more than two of them are not on the team. Yeah, I'll I'll mostly echo that. I think there's a possibility of a larger transition, but there's a difference between a larger transition and a complete sell-off. And Nate got into one of the other important challenges, which is front offices often overvalue their own players. And sometimes their own can be complicated when you think about the the different personnel, who's the key decision maker at that moment in time. But there is a a fundamental challenge of, okay, do not only how how does everybody else feel about our players? So it's not like Derek White and DeJounte Murray are showering themselves with glory and making it making it oh every team's gonna be falling all over themselves now they're not having the worst seasons but they're not also you know really boosting that stock and that's one of the ways like you brought up Vooch that a player can get moved the other part of it is I think they like Jakob Pertl, and they should. I, I think Pertl is, is positive. And so you're kind of, to say all of them are traded is meaning that they also don't think that, that any of them are particularly good or can do it. And the third component that I think is important here is that not every team sees things this way, but there's also the idea that you don't necessarily want to trade everybody because is a player like Pertl, as much as I like him, or if you, for those who are more optimistic about Derek White or DeJounte, are they good enough to prevent you from tearing down? And I think that for the most part players that aren't in the top 15 at their position in the NBA generally are not that are, are not that level player so then you can have a couple guys they're all pretty young this is Murray's 20, age 25 season Pirtle's age 26 season White's age 27 that maybe they can be a part of the next great Spurs team now I think that might be a little rosy but it wouldn't surprise me if that part of the thought process is there awesome thank you guys thank you all right, who's uh, next we, can, we can move on to Nick Nick you're on the air Hey guys, what do you think the 95 percentile for Evan Mobley and Darius Garland? And also, uh, would you prioritize trying to make the playoffs here, or do you think they need one more lottery pick? Well, so uh, for Mobley, I would say uh, Anthony Davis, who can 95th percentile. Um, Anthony Davis, who can pass, but maybe isn't quite as good of a score. And I don't think I, Anthony Davis, especially at the best points in his career, is one of the best transition bigs in the entire league. And Mobley can be very good, but that's you know that that would be a really high bar but Mobley I mean his his high his ceiling is real and then for Garland his like best case scenario comp like I mean I was a believer in his jump shot moving in but he's not the level of athlete of somebody like you could say Damian Lillard he's not the level of shooter of those guys either so maybe like a different version of Mike Conley would that be fair hmm yeah I like that one actually that's that's pretty good now uh Conley I would say in his prime was more athletic than we would expect Garland to be I mean he's the son of a of a champion triple jumper and uh 
was just really, you know, one of the quickest guards in the NBA. I don't know that Garland is that. And Garland is more of a natural shooter early on than Conley, although Conley made himself into an unbelievable shooter, deserves a ton of credit for that, given where he was when he came into the league. But in terms of being, you know, a little bit undersized, not like, I, I think he could be what Mike Conley was offensively. Defensively, Mike Conley was one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA for a time. I don't think Garland can get to that aspect of it. And, and to go back to the other part of the question about whether the Cavs should be going for the playoffs, this will echo something I said recently about the New Orleans Pelicans, which is basically this idea of like, should they just throw in the towel now? And what I think teams should do for the most part is give it a go for the immediate. And then in February, let's say, you can reevaluate. There is still enough of the season to see where things go. And I mean, I thought before they got destroyed by injuries, you know, and Sexton's not coming back, unfortunately, but Mobley will and Jared Allen and Larry Markin already are, is that you see what this team can do and you try to be competitive and you, and then if it, you know, at a later moment in time, it looks like that isn't there, then yeah, you can pivot and, and focus on draft position. And one of the good pieces of information for the Cavs here is that at least preliminarily, the East is pretty, pretty deep. And so there should be an element of clarification of whether they can even reasonably get into the play in. And now I think that teams should consider if it's if all you can do is get to nine or 10, I think teams should go more the route that the Raptors did last year, which is like, eh, do we really necessarily want that? Because you're not even getting the upside of like a couple of home games and the real playoff experience, but you're you're losing some of these other things, draft equity and everything else. So I would say go full bore or at least go the, the managed route that you want in terms of vets and starters, not saying like play your vets 80 minutes, you know, 40 minutes a game each or anything like that. Do that until mid to late February at the bare minimum and see where you are. And if you're close, if, if the team is more competitive, then give it a shot. I think you owe it to the players. And if you're far off, then it's an easy choice. Yeah. And I, I would say too, in terms of some of the vets, you know, if it's like, Hey, we're, we're doing well this year because Kevin Love is having a renaissance. And you know, I, I don't think you want that, right? If you're, I think you play your good young players and go as far as they can take you. I would be open to listing the trade offers for Ricky Rubio. Like I think they still need to understand. And it's been a while. They've been in the wilderness now for the last three years. So they kind of are, are going to want to show some improvement, but I think you can do that in the early part of the year. And not freak out of like, okay, we we can't trade Ricky Rubio. We got to hold on to him and either sign him to an extension or re-sign him in free agency because you know he really helped us this year as a 31, 32 year old point guard. That's something where I I don't I wouldn't say they should do that. Like if they could trade Ricky Rubio to take on some longer term money and get a draft pick out of it, I I would recommend doing that. I think it's important not to lose sight of the fact that you are still in a rebuild. This is only year one of Evan Mobley. You should be aiming to peak, you know, in year three, year four of Evan Mobley, and you know, hopefully five, six, and seven as well. But you know, really getting into being a solid playoff team two years from now to me is the goal and. In addition to just your record and your draft picks, if there are veterans that you can move, which they already did with Larry Nance, admittedly, uh, but they got marketing instead of a, a draft pick. Uh, and also just trying to figure out some of the combinations, how to Markinen and Mobley play together. Can those three guys be a good uh, front court rotation uh, among the three? Try to figure out who your your next uh, three man of the future is going to be. If it can't be a Coro, try to get some some time out there with a Coro playing with the starters. See how that looks, or put start him at the two. Just 
play around with it a little bit don't go crazy going for uh, the playoffs this year or the best possible record that you can and still focus on development while trying to be good within individual games perfect thank man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses every sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas i'm gonna be freezing but the american giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time 
time here in the room. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's good, good Cavs talk here. Who's next? Uh, we can go to Riley. Riley, you are on the air. Good, thank you. Uh, I was wondering if there were any young guys that have been kind of buried on their team that you would like to see in a different situation. G- Goran Dragic? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, young guys who are buried that I'd like to see in a different situation. Oh, let's see. I'm, I'm uh, rapid fire this is kind of an under right now. This is an under the radar one, but I'd like to see what Lewis King could do. Who had a really nice summer league with Sacramento and, and has a little bit of kind of three and D ability. Uh, I guess my Paul Watson Jr. ship has probably sailed at this point, although I, I imagine we'll see some of him. But he's getting, I think he's might be like 27 now, so that's that's probably not uh, not going to work. Uh, there there are a couple guys think, that I'm interested yeah. in. I'm not necessarily saying yeah. that they would be good right now, but I'd love to see more of JT thor especially as charlotte is trying to figure out what they want to do at backup center like i i don't think he's going to solve all their questions right away but it'd be interesting to see him get a chance kai jones is in the same boat of course yeah i'm not that interested in kai jones right now (laughs) (laughs) i gotta gotta say i mean i i I guess i kind of am but when you consider how big man needy they are and the fact that he's not playing and how raw he looked in summer league i don't I think it would be watching him from a basketball intelligence standpoint, but it might be a little vexing. Uh, Greg Brown is an interesting guy, actually, in Portland. I've been intrigued some by his athleticism, his ability maybe as a, as a small ball five, uh, uh, kind of a Jakar Sampson style five. Um, well, a lot of the guys oh, that uh, intrigue yeah. me the most that are young, they're not really ready for prime time. So I'm not going to say, oh, the, the Clippers need to be playing Brandon Boston or anything like that. I, I'm interested in how he's going to fare. And, and, and actually, that's another one that kind of bridges that gap is I really liked Jalen Johnson from, and from the Hawks, and he's been very productive so yeah. far in the G League. I'm not saying he's better than the guys they have, but I'd like to see him play competitive basketball. Oh yeah, yeah. What are what are his stats in the G League? I'm he dropped a twenty twenty the other day. Wow. Um, let me. I'll I'll pull, I'll pull the stats. You if you want to think of a couple of guys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Aaron Wiggins was a guy I was really oh, impressed yeah. by in summer league on Oklahoma City. I'd like to see him play a little bit more. I I wouldn't mind him getting some of those Poku minutes that uh, don't seem to be going particularly well. Uh, Miles McBride in New York is another one. Quentin Grimes. Those two guys have shown a little bit of intrigue as well. Okay. okay. Okay, so I have it. Uh, um, yeah, only four yeah. games with with the with the team, but. 15 points, 14 boards, albeit on 48% true shooting, but four of 11 from three. That's good, very early sign. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm interested to see whether. I mean, the biggest thing to me is because really just given his background and playing at Duke and I've been to a lot of high schools and stuff, I just want to see him put together like a sustained period of play uh, in the G League. Uh, let's see, who else is out there that I would be interested to see more of? Bull yeah, still scrolling. Oh, bull bull. bull. Yeah, I, I yeah, I has he been playing at all when Jokic has been out? I haven't watched any of those games. I generally when guys have major players out like that, I usually or when teams have major players out like that, I usually don't watch that much of their games because it's it's doesn't have as much relevance going forward unless it's unless it's to see someone like Bull Bull, I guess. Yeah, I'm a bold fan and I don't think he played against us when Jokic went out. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean if he's if Jokic is out and he's still not playing, that's not a, a yeah, great sign. Definitely. I think I would like to see them I would like to see them play him at center though. Like He's not this idea of his future being on the perimeter. I just don't understand. I mean, he doesn't want to play center, but you might as well like kind of teach him to do that. I would say, uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much about it. I, I, I mean, Zeke Naji is someone I was hoping to see more of, and then 
Uh, he sprained his ankle after he had one nice game. Uh, yeah, okay, I think that, that's a good rundown there. Yeah. That's, that's probably about all I got, I would say. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the question, absolutely. We can go to Rob McIntyre, and you're on the board. Hey, guys, who would you have as your top two NBA title contenders right now? And then in terms of percent chance for them to win the title, what would you put that at? Oh, well, I think Golden State would have to be up there, right, Danny? We did the Watfo on them a, a little bit ago. Yeah, I think. I th- what did we What did we have for them? It was a chance or a chance that they make it to the to the finals was what? Like, I think we both had like around twenty five percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm right? pulling it up. Uh, I said, yeah, we both said twenty five percent. That was one of the ones that we both we we agreed on. And so I would have the Bucks as the other team there. And part of it is, I mean, they've been dealing with a bunch of injuries, but there isn't the level of uncertainty with Milwaukee. Milwaukee, like the Kyrie question where it's like, is this player going to play? And when it's in some ways, when it's a choice rather than an injury, it's more complicated to project. So I would say for me, the Bucks are the most likely champion right now. The East could be threatening, but I don't think there's, you know, there, there aren't necessarily as many teams that are truly daunting. Miami's had a good run, but we'll see how we feel about them. And Philly, you know, they're still kind of figuring things out. So yeah, I think I'd go Bucks one, Warriors two. Chances that the Bucks win and the, and- it? Like... Yeah, this is to win the championship. To win the title? Right? I don't know. Like, finals. I'm thinking between 15 and 25%. Um, maybe like, I don't know, 22%. I'm not sure I would give anyone uh, any higher than 25% right now. Even 22% seems a little bit high. I don't know that, because like, to me, would you give the Bucks higher than a 50% chance of getting out of the East? Probably not right now when you think about all of the variants that can come into play. Now, if you guaranteed health for everyone or something like that, maybe you'd get a different conversation. But there, I mean, there are so many things that at this point in the year, there's so many things that can happen. Now, I think the full strength Bucks, yeah. So I would say no, I wouldn't go over 50 for them as much as I like them. Yeah, I might go like 45% for them winning the East. And then I would, assuming that they get out of the East, they're probably in pretty good shape. So maybe I would give them a you know, 55% chance of winning the finals. I mean, yeah, them versus full strength Golden State would be an absolutely fascinating strategic matchup. So, uh, and, and I mean, I can't believe that we're talking about Golden State as the most likely team, but I mean, they're just continuing to roll along here. Like at some point, you're just going to have to believe in it. And it's not like a Utah Jazz situation because all these guys have experience and they've been really good in the playoffs before. I shouldn't say all these guys, but obviously Steph and Draymond and Clay and, well, and they're there, very skewed there isn't an easily identifiable flaw or reason to think that some of the things that are working for them won't work which is a a big challenge like that was something you and i thought for the jazz even before they like had playoff history it was just how is this going to work yeah so i might have golden state in like the 12 13 percent chance you know if you say if we were saying they have a 25 percent chance of making the finals and they have 50 percent chance of winning it when they get there so right around there would be my back of the napkin math there but you, you got any thoughts there rob yeah so the bucks right now are nine to one to win the championship on drafting sportsbook which i thought just thought was a little low for me personally i i think that that does seem low yeah i, I would agree with you on that yeah i think i would actually give the bucks a higher chance to win the title once they got there the one hole i guess with the roster now is kind of that 3.75 combo forward um right. they've been able to get that guy each of the past three seasons so you wonder if maybe horst has like a, a rabbit in his pocket that he can pull out 
Um, I think the thing with the Warriors for me, though, is I just don't know how many, like, two-way guys they have that will be able to stay on the floor. Like, I think they have a lot of guys who are good players right now for the regular season. But when you get into the absolute highest level, I'm not sure how many of that, those guys can really hang around in a Bucks series. Like, I mean, are we thinking, uh, like, I mean, Andrew Wiggins at the four in that series? That's just a little testy to me. Yeah, I mean, presumably... Yeah, it's, I, yeah I think Andrew Wiggins at the four would be Yeah, fine. I mean, Draymond, Wiggins, Clay, Steph, and then you hope that you can find one other guy. And the one of the things yeah. that makes the Warriors you're so interesting is depending on who's healthy they actually have a lot of possibilities if no probabilities for that other spot you know auto porter at times could be there or you can go with kind of a one-way guy and just hope that you can weather the storm like jordan Poole is probably that that player i don't think kaminga is going to be quite ready yet especially because of the spacing limitations if his jumper still looks shaky yeah, I guess. Um, I would also, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, sorry. I guess the hope is that with how many guys you have, one of them kind of reaches their 80th or 85th percentile yeah. outcome, and then they're able to hang in that series. Yeah, and, you know, I think it, Iguodala's health, I think, is going to actually be important. Uh, uh, can he make it through an entire playoff run? He started to break down a little bit already. Um, going back to something you said about uh, getting the the modern combo forward by Horace, you know, they got Marvin Williams two years ago and then they got PJ Tucker this year. There isn't really such a player who I would anticipate would be available who's an upcoming free agent, which is really the only sort of player that they would have the ammo to go and get. If it's somebody who's under contract for longer than that, they just don't have the draft capital to go get a, a player like that. I mean, you're looking at, you know, and even the guys that you might think of, they're not as good as either PJ Tucker or Marvin Williams. And then they also are on teams that are pretty good most of the guys who like you know even james johnson right he's already on the nets for example jeff green and jamichael green they're on the the nuggets they're there for a reason um i actually you know who i would try and go after if i were them i would see if the pacers would take like something below a first round pick for O'Shea Brissett I would try and get him in oh see I thought you were gonna go Kenrick Williams oh yeah that's another good one although I don't think that Kenrick Williams can guard individually as well but yeah that is another good one actually where why is he not on my list here is he no he's he's not an upcoming free agent that's why yeah that's right. He has the he had the three year he had to get the three year deal for that ridiculous Stephen Adams. But he but he trade. could be more gettable than the average the average non expiring contract. Yeah. No, I I would agree. I, I but those those are probably the two guys. And thanks for this question, Rob, because I this is kind of making me go through this for the first time. I think those are two guys that would be big targets for me if I were a contender or needed help at that that position. And oh uh, yeah, I guess we do it. We have Kendrick Williams as a partial guarantee for next year, but in the small forward. Oh okay. Uh, Maybe see if yeah. Nico uh, Mirotic yeah. uh, wants to come back from Europe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel House, Kyle Anderson, those could maybe... Anderson doesn't really fit into what they're trying to do as much. Um, yeah, all right. No, that, that was a great question, Rob. So so our answer is like Bucks, you know, in the 20% range and Warriors in like the 12, 13% range, Danny. Is that yeah. pretty much in consensus? I, I might go a little lower. I, mean, I think I'm around a straight 10 for the Warriors, but pretty close. Yeah. Okay, great one there. Who's next? Uh, Diogo, you're on the air. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. So... My question is, do you think that the new way of offici- officiating can uh, affect, affect positively teams that switch a lot, like uh, 
like the Warriors? I know that it's a small sample, but do you think you can make a conclusion out of that? That's an interesting question. And I think, yes, I, I think uh, uh, to be able to put your hands on guys just a little bit more, I, I think is helpful. And that supposedly was not one of the results of, of this. Uh, nobody was selling this coming in, These this change in the rule interpretations to eliminate non-basketball moves. No one was selling that as oh now you can hand check more you know it's those that point of education is also supposed to be in place but effectively you are able to hand check more now because the whole reason that the field contact and barf up a shot thing even developed to begin with was because that's a way to make referees call illegal contact on the perimeter a hand check they they would call it sometimes but it, you know it's hard for them to really see it unless when you feel that contact and barf up a shot now you're forcing them to make a call right you're forcing them to say hey i i got fouled here and now i'm barfing up the shot and then thankfully at least they then change that to at least not give you a shooting foul on that play but when you would barf up the shot you would at least make them say no obviously there was contact there and we got it we'll wave off the shot but you're going to get your foul uh and now because it seems like and i said this at the time those two things are kind of in conflict right you're in conflict between hey like this is supposed to be illegal contact with a hand check but then you're barfing up the shot afterwards which is a non-basketball move so what's the interplay of those two things going to be and the interplay has been that the non-basketball move is kind of superseding the illegal contact that happened before in part because that illegal contact just isn't drawing as much attention when the shot's not being barfed up afterwards so just a little bit of background there but I, I think it's an interesting theory that you have there that hey it's a little easier to stay in front of guys now in a one-on-one -on -one situation uh it's not necessarily easier to guard guys in the post uh, you know if you're looking at that aspect of switching defense but yeah i think that's something that actually could be easier now the thing that is still out there that may even be of more importance in switching defenses there's still the point of education on the holding away from the ball right remember back in that 2018 series with the rockets and the warriors when you switch the biggest way to beat switching defense is by quick slips to the rim and plays where where you're just causing miscommunication slipping out of there and so if you could hold guys and prevent them from getting that separation off the the switch off the ball then that was really helpful so that's still out there that might make switching more difficult i'm very interested to see how the warriors end up playing things because they have not done that much switching so far this year they've largely kept draymond close to the basket looney has actually been more likely to switch than draymond on a lot of these plays and also teams don't really attack Draymond that much either so i'm interested to see if they really were to were to go to like a full switching approach in the playoffs i think they will but they're kind of holding that closer to the vest here obviously miami is the other team uh and pj tucker to me is one is he's so physical on the perimeter i think he's the perfect encapsulation of what you're talking about he might benefit more than just about any player from uh, a change in interpretation so yeah i, I think that's a, a good hypothesis I, I think there's some truth to it okay thank you guys so one thing uh, you were talking about the heat do you think the celtics switch a lot too i don't have the numbers but i yeah they do. Uh, the yeah, they've gotten away from it a little bit uh, since the start of the year when they were super switch happy. But yeah, they they can do some of that as they're, well. They're not as with, uh, with they're Horford not as and, grabby as the Heat though. So you, I mean, it's it's easier when it's kind of within what you want to do anyway. And so for my, I think it's going to yeah. benefit Miami more. Even if you're right that the the Celtics do switch more, I believe numerically than the Heat do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Great great question, Diago. And so. We 
Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. You can go on to Evan. Evan, you're on the air. What's going on, guys? Thanks for uh, uh, accepting my request. Uh, so I'm a Spurs guy. I write for uh, Project Spurs. Um, there's a lot of talks of, uh, you know, front court, um, future acquisitions, maybe uh, Pias- uh, Pascal Siakam, maybe um, even like the guys like Marvin Bagley, Darius Baisley. I uh, really try to get rid of uh, Bryn Forrest, Thaddeus Young. Um, I really want to get you guys um, real analysts on basically if there's anyone um, trying to withhold from the Spurs. Uh, a lot of my guys that I work with, they've been working with the Spurs for years. They've been saying, you know, the, with the Spurs being in a rebuilding mode now, not a lot of teams want to help them get better in a sense. Uh, do you think that's true? I know we heard about the DeAndre Ayton situation. Maybe we can get him in free agency in a max slot. Um, yeah, just got to get you guys' opinion on that. So the the challenge of upgrading through free agency when you're a young team is that generally speaking the players who are really going to move the needle aren't actually aren't actually going to move unless you're going to give up something in a sign and trade like the suns as much as they might be having some some you know they had some negotiation stuff with deandre ayton it is going to be extremely difficult to pry him away from phoenix at this juncture this juncture meaning next july not not meaning immediately if without doing something so i think you're looking you're looking a little bit further into the future future just because restricted free agents that are good generally don't change teams there are exceptions Lonzo Lonzo is is a recent one and it has happened before but I think for San Antonio and and so to answer another one of your questions I don't think teams care particularly about the you know the the area code that the call is coming from and oh it's San Antonio we're gonna turn down a move that we think would make us a better basketball team because it's San Antonio and I mean there that's just not really the way the the way things work maybe if you're worried about another general manager like who has the reputation of you know, like who's gotten the better of a lot of trades but i don't even think you hear that it'd be more like somebody who calls too much that i think would be a challenge and san antonio doesn't seem like they're doing a ton of calling on trades so that's not a huge issue there for me the bigger challenge of of all of the like different things that the spurs are going to deal with the two big ones are the vets they have i don't think are going to draw a s- significant return unless the spurs are willing to take on long-term salary and then the other 
other part is that San Antonio both has a lot of capable players, but also doesn't have the straw that stirs the drink. They don't have the player who makes everything easier for everyone else. And those players are notoriously hard to get. So I think the Spurs actually probably need to get a little bit worse to get that player through the draft. And it's a lot more probable, actually, as weird as this sounds, to get it through the draft than to get it through free agency. Yeah, the only thing I, I would add there is just the Spurs don't seem to do a lot of wheeling, deal, wheeling and dealing and, and a lot of trades. And I think the, the idea that they've been linked to some of these more traditional young big men, it, John Collins was maybe thought to be a target of theirs in free agency, although he, he came to a deal with the Hawks. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Bagley as well, kind of these more traditional four types. And maybe the idea there is that that's a type of player that fits more into what the Spurs want to do and they can get more out of that type of player than maybe some other teams would or maybe just that they wrongly value such a, a player you know Zach Collins is another example of that that sort of more traditional four type that they have on the roster right now but I think the biggest reason that they're not going to make a trade is that's just they're not really trying to uh, that much and maybe again maybe things will change if uh, Pop is not in the organization anymore and there's a feeling that they're coming into a new era but as long as he's there I wouldn't anticipate that their philosophy is going to change too much. Hey Ben uh, that was I, I really appreciate you guys taking uh, on that and that's really all i wanted to hear uh there was one more um one more question i had are you guys pretty savvy on this upcoming uh draft class not yet no not yet <laughs> well, uh, i'll uh, i'll i with this uh there's a guy that i found from serbia six eight six nine uh nikolai jovic not jokic but jovic really a system yeah. type of player um he's young he's really the leader of that team because they're pretty subpar but let me tell you if if there's a more skilled if there's a second tier for like a a more skilled offensive player rather than uh, Patrick Baldwin, rather than Chad, rather than uh, Banchero. Jovic is right there in, in a sense. He's a, he's a Jason Tatum without more of a bag, without the fancy moves, without the uh, step backs and stuff. But uh, I just wanted just to end with that. That's some guy I've been finding flying on boards as up as a uh, three on some guys, uh, on, on some guys draft boards. So yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for taking my question and uh, you guys have a great rest of your day. Yeah, hope, hopefully he works out better than than Luka Samanich. I, I know he, I think he's more of a kind of a kind of a three. I'm, I'm so, sorry to trigger you up by, that, by mentioning. I got a vein. Samanich. I'm just thinking about that. At least we got Calvin Johnson later in that draft. Thanks. Shout out to uh, Serrano. Appreciate that pick. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks. Uh, good having you on, Evan. Thank you. So we can move to Callen. Callen, you're on the air. Hey guys. Um, I wanted to, uh, I'm a big Warriors fan and watch a lot of Warriors. And like one thing that I really noticed is just, you know, Steph's off ball work, how, how much that stands out. Are there other guys in the league that, you know, maybe not quite as good as him, but have that off ball ability where they're really just sprinting around at all times and have that kind of danger? And in particular, are there any other stars that have some of that ability that, you know, being a Warriors fan, I don't get to see night in, night out? Thanks. The first guy that comes to mind is international Patty Mills. And they've started using him more that way now because they've been limited with some of the personnel that's available. Like in that Magic game, some of the, he was doing some of that off-ball stuff that really brought him back. Um, you know, I would say Bradley Beal works off the ball a lot. Devin Booker does. But those, those guys kind of do it more in sort of a set piece sort of way. Just, all right, straight wide, pin down. Let's run the play, see what happens. They're not passing, sprinting across the floor, reloading 
relocating never stop moving um who else am i missing here dan let me i'll, I'll go through my, i mean my first my thought list, when but... my first thought when Callan asked the question was no one like so i'm 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 a little oh yeah because and that's a part of what makes steph curry special is the amount of energy that he ex- expends and the amount of attention that he draws no matter where he is on the floor and i I mean, I was there in person, but it was so fascinating to see. And Nick Nurse has a long history with the Warriors, including a victory, you know, over them in in the finals. How his scheme was just so Steph focused, and I, I understand it. I mean, Curry is going to be in serious MVP consideration, and so the concession that they made was let's give everybody else easier shots so Curry just can't get attempts up, and they succeeded at that approach. But the Warriors, those more limited players, were able to convert those shots, and so they got a comfortable. Well, the other thing to keep in mind too is the way that Steph plays, everything is focused on him, right? Like even if you have a, sh- normally you have a shooter in the corner and the reason that that guy's there is so he can stay in the corner and play off other guys and shoot an open corner three-point shot. Instead, a lot of times the shooter in the corner for the Warriors, Steph will drive, give it up. And now the job is for that guy to improvise, step in and set a screen for Steph to pop out to the corner. And so, you know, even if you have someone like a Wayne Ellington or JJ Redick would probably been the second biggest off-ball movement guy in the league back uh, when he was getting more of an emphasis but you're still you're just it's, you're not going to build the entire offense around someone doing something like that because he's just not your best offensive player you're not just always looking for that guy the whole offense isn't built around that and so while obviously Steph his abilities are incredibly impressive and unique and you'd like to see more guys do some off-ball stuff like Luca and Dame and and Trey Young uh, they also don't have like great decision makers to play next to those guys and those guys have been have thrived being on the ball and they don't really want to change that much and so uh, and nobody obviously is as good of a shooter stuff I'm not even sure that anybody else playing that way would make a, a ton of sense that it would have the same level of gravity that when the guy got open that he would make as many of the shots and then inspire all the terror 25 feet from the basket that opens up all these slips to the rim and stuff like that so I mean there's a reason that Steph Curry uh, is one of one and his shooting ability obviously is one of those reasons but then also the the movement that he's added since uh, Steve Kerr came in is another one is, is there anyone that that you had in mind that we haven't mentioned yet maybe Duncan Robinson actually that's probably the other guy uh that we probably should should mention here and, and Tyler Hero is starting to add a little bit of that stuff too yeah I was thinking a couple of those heat guys but I think Danny got at it they're really is no one else like him and that, that's what makes him so exceptional but you know i wonder if some of the guys coming up some of the younger kids will start emulating him a little bit more some of those on ball guys who can really shoot um in the younger generations but it doesn't seem I like so you know yeah i mean there are all these all these different elements of star players that that young players will will emulate and and that's so ex- exciting but for the amount of cardio the amount of energy that he expends on things that are very likely to generate points for him like that would be something you know if I could you know beam it into the mind of every 15 year old basketball player of you know uh, of any gender around the world like that that would be that would be the thing is that the amount of work that Steph Curry a star player who has the ball in his hands a lot does on plays that are low that have a low chance of success for him personally it's a big part of what makes the Warriors offense go it's a great point and yeah the likes of Dame and Donovan Mitchell like it's a hard sell for those guys to be like yeah bust your ass sprint off the ball when you may not get it but hey maybe this will open things up for somebody else and uh when it's 
much easier to just be like no just just give me the ball that's our best chance so yeah no it, it's uh, uh there's a reason that he's really that good i mean i i guess the only other guy i would say that historically that might be in his class is reggie miller that's the only other one i, I would say because reggie was coming off screens for threes ray allen even still in his prime was probably on ball a little bit more uh, as well but no i think the warriors their their system they've leveraged that shooting better than nba team any team in nba history Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. We- Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Got about 10 minutes left here. So, why don't we get to a lightning round? Let's start with. Uh, Ryoga, and I'm going to bring a bunch of you guys in here, Just, but please just uh, wait until you're called on. Hi, guys. Happy that uh, finally you did it a little bit earlier, so I can participate as I'm in Europe. Good. So, uh, I wanted just to comment, Nathan, uh, the pod you had with, uh, with Ben on the best players and, of course, uh, about Jokic. And I have a more specific question that I don't think that uh, you particularly discussed. Because in my view, one thing that makes Jokic unique is that he allows you to uh, play maybe more defensive-minded guards in terms of uh, roster construction compared to other centers. Because he can take uh, so many responsibilities related related to the the playmaking and uh, the creation. Also, you can see how uh, during the um, Utah series, the once uh, Devinari, uh, not Devinari, sorry, Gary Harris uh, came back, uh, how much he changed the whole defensive outlook of the series. And Devin Harris and uh, Gary Harris and a kind of player that maybe you cannot afford if you do not have a center like uh, Jokic. So my question is, do you think that actually Jok- you could, uh, let's say, improve uh, the defense around uh, uh, Jokic, even in uh, pick and roll uh, situations, if uh, you really put around him the right kind of defensive guard that you can afford because you have Jokic. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that's a good a good point it, it's there. It's sort of the reverse and, Westbrook. Know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where, where what he's talking about there is how in that season where Westbrook won MVP, they were able to just play all these defensive guys with him at the end of games because he could just create enough shots that the, and then they would just stop everybody uh, defensively. Um, but yeah, I think that's true to a point. But I do think you're also, if you're playing Ga- Gary Harris, it's it's very difficult to find. Like I think you can find, if you want to say, all right, we're going to find a really good defensive guard who can also shoot, and but we don't need that guy to be able to run pick and roll. I think that there's something behind that. Even that player though is a little bit hard to find uh and to find two of them particularly and then also i think when they have harris out there it does become still difficult to score like you can if you're gonna have a guy who can't shoot at the guard position you're still because yeah you can play below average guards but i think your path with Jokic is always gonna be hey let's just have the best offensive team that we can because uh, to me, if you put Harris out there, yeah, you get your defense back to respectability. It's still not an amazing defense because you have Jokic out there. And then also in the playoffs, it becomes easier to double team Jokic off of Harris. And so your offense will still be good. It'll still be resilient, but it's not going to be just ridiculously good. And so now you're kind of getting closer to being just, you know, a little bit above average on both ends, maybe 
you're average on defense and you know above average on offense but that's still not it's it's good enough to win 50 55 games in the regular season and win a playoff series or two or maybe three but I just it still makes the fit a little bit harder to me and and again I I you know I would move Jokic way up from where I had him last year in part because of because other guys went down and I do think if they could ever get their team healthy I mean the Porter Jr. news really just sucks for them right now if they could ever get their team healthy I would give them maybe a slight chance of winning the championship and I I fully admit that I might be wrong but I'm just because of the the history of struggling to win with a, a defensive center like Jokic to get your defense into being that you know top 10 type of playoff defense level that's still why I have some skepticism but I think you know I think you make the a good argument for you know another reason why it, it, it I might be wrong on that and I guess we'll just hopefully we'll they'll get enough around him that's healthy enough to where we'll really be able to find out the answer to that question because I I just don't think that we've uh, other than in that bubble season I don't think we've seen them healthy enough to where you can really judge thank you I hope uh, we see it yeah no no me too um okay so we're gonna try it let's just try to go you know ask your question in a sentence or two here and uh we'll try to answer in uh the least long-winded fashion possible we'll see how that goes we got five minutes left so i want to see if we can get three more questions in let's start here with uh kevin folly kevin you are in if you want to unmute hey um thanks nate and danny uh, i'm a big wizards fan here from alexandria virginia and um I was wondering, um, have you guys seen Denny's defense so far, Denny Avdia? He's been playing great defense so far. So I wanted to ask uh, if you guys have seen anything warranted there that can make him maybe an all-defense candidate. And also with Rui and Bertans coming back and with Kuzma also there, what do you expect like for the future of the four position for the Wizards going to the future? Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I focused in on Avdi a lot on that Miami game, and I thought he was good. You know, I think Jimmy Butler still kind of got uh, the better of him. Uh, he he's not a huge steals guy. Um, you know, I think if you're really going to be in the all defense conversation at forward, you probably got to be someone who's making more plays, both uh, with steals and blocks, and his blocks are up uh, some this year as well. So. But, but I think you need to add more of a help defense element than we've seen from him quite yet. So I think he's made some nice strides. I think he can be a quality option there with more experience. He's got decent athleticism and feet and he, he can get stronger. I see him kind of more, you know, the, he and Franz Wagner, I think are kind of similar guys in that respect of guys who are just going to be quality defenders, good, good team defenders, but maybe not just the level of like, playmakers and athleticism that's really going to just make guys uncomfortable and lock him down so i think he's going to be a quality option i think you he could evolve into being a starter at that position but i don't necessarily see all defense in his future uh personally and, and so briefly on yeah. the power forward situation i i think that the rise of daniel gafford opens up some options for them because if you're playing a, a more capable defensive five then maybe you can go with a little bit more limited now i'd love to have good defenders everywhere but i still you know i think davis Bertan his equilibrium is between the last two years so i think he's a part of the solution and with with Rui, we're just gonna have to see like it's, it's been it's been a while with him but i would love to see another couple wings in the rotation but i think it's probably you know using kuzma using avdi i think some combination of that and whichever bertans and hashimura is playing better is going to get them a lot of the way yeah i i honestly would have Rui fourth in that group of guys that you mentioned all right we got time for two more here let's bring in ju now and then uh joao is is after Jew. Jew, you want to unmute? Let's uh let's bring it in. Hey guys, how's how's it going? 
Great. Good to hear from you. Um, so my question is, if you're a team that consistently wins uh, and makes the playoffs every year, say like the 76ers or the Portland Trailblazers, but you just can't seem to get far enough to make it to the championship or win the championship, what's your next step? Like, say, do you do you make a big trade and blow it all up, like trade away Joel Embiid or Damian Lillard? Or do you stick with your players you j- and you just try to work out the edges and um, make your team good enough to win? So to me, I think it depends on whether you have that big star or not. You know, if you have Lillard, you have Embiid. You know, Lillard's kind of right on the borderline of a guy that you expect whether he could lead a team to a championship or not. You know, maybe the 10th best player in the NBA or so. Joel, I think his ceiling is higher than Lillard's. He's played at an MVP level before at times when healthy. But I think as long as you have that player, you continue to build around him. And if he asks out, then you, you go into the rebuild. If you're a team like the Atlanta Hawks, you know, I think it kind of made sense for them to not re-sign Al Horford, uh, not re-sign Paul Millsap when that came around, even though they'd been in the playoffs for a long time. They didn't really have that transcendent star. I, I think as long as you're still continuing to win more games and improve every year i think you you continue to roll with that but if you stagnate for three four years at a time and you don't have that superstar to build around i think that's when it's time to kind of make the move and give it another go with rebuilding um all right that, that was a good one there thank you for that sorry to be thank you uh, short ju but but good question and we'll finish it out here danny do you want to take this question from uh joao joao if you want to unmute you are on hey guys big fan here from brazil and I'm also a Suns fan, so my question is Suns related. We're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of guys on the Suns having uh, lower numbers in uh, last year, like Booker is scoring less. Uh, Bridges is, has a little bit of uh, uh, worse efficiency. Uh, Chris Paul is scoring less, but still the Suns are probably better than last year, right? So uh, is that a lot of uh, on Monty Williams, or is it just the the system is good and the players are good and they don't need to score that much to win? Thank you, guys. I I think it is the system is good and the player the players are good. Another this is a, a really amazing note on how different the league is right now. So last year, this is using cleaning the glasses, filtering out garbage time. The Suns were sixth in offensive rating, one seventeen point seven points per hundred possessions. They're at one eleven point four this year, and they're seventh. So they're basically the same spot relative to the league, despite their points per hundred possessions dropping by six. So I think it's really just calibrating for the rest of the league. And and if you're looking at it from the perspective of like the guys being less efficient, I think some of it is also just you know whether you want to say small sample size for some guys or maybe their you know regression to the mean in certain circumstances is there. But I think the they have a good coach, they have a good system, they have players that can execute the system well. So it there will be ebbs and flows for individual players, but I think they're in, they're in a very good spot overall. Yeah, I would add, I'm not sure that they are better this year. Their record early in the season is better. They're 14-3. and They've had a very easy schedule. They've pulled out a lot of close wins. I mean, that their SRS... Uh, which kind of is basically like point differential trying to just adjust for who they played is uh 4.7 which is not unbelievable that is fourth in the nba but that's not like crazy good yeah, by, by, uh, by comparison third, the heater at point seven yeah. or 7.6 the jazz at 8.8 and the warriors at 11.1 yeah and there's a bunch of teams that are right in, in that kind of four or five range in srs and that i would also say that their defense being third in the nba right now um i can't remember dan do they have they've been getting 
some good shooting luck uh, on that. I mean, they've also been playing some bad offenses uh, as well. Um, and they're middle of the they're middle of the road in shooting luck, a little bit on long twos, but and for threes, they're they're around league average. Yeah. Okay. So may, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they they will end up being a, a better defense than I expect. Um, so and and they've they've had the small injury to Aiton, but no one else seriously has gotten injured yet. The quick on Booker, uh, I would recommend watching Ben Taylor's video that came out I think on Sunday about how, guys who are really being affected by the rule changes, which we talked about earlier in this pod as well. Uh, and he'd had a segment on Booker that I thought was pretty illuminating. That a, a lot of the fouls that he was getting, uh, where he was attacking guys' shoulders and trying to pick the ball up. 17 feet from the basket and and barf up a shot and get the call he hasn't been able to do that as much this year and that's a part of why maybe his uh, efficiency is down so far but all right thanks to everyone who asked questions really great having you all here want to wish everyone a happy thanksgiving uh, as well not sure whether you if you're listening on dunktown prime whether you listen to this uh, or our, our other pod where we wish you thanksgiving uh, as well but uh, we want to say again for even those in the public pod or here on twitter spaces uh, we are really thankful to have you as listeners and really thankful to be able to do our dream jobs and also feed our families uh, as well. So it, it's really exciting to be able to do this. And uh, during this Thanksgiving, I'm going to be thinking of, of all of you uh, a lot. So thank you for supporting uh, this endeavor. And we will talk to you all next week. Till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.